Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Women Emerging podcast. I'm Julie Middleton, Director of Women Emerging. Every week I speak with women around the world of different ages and in different sectors about how they lead, because we need many more women leading in the world today. We explore how women lead differently and do it their way, which is authentic, fulfilling and highly effective. This episode is about what you have to jettison when you start leading. Hello, this is Julian Middleton, Women Emerging Director and your podcast host. I'm also author of the book which came out last week and it's called If That's Leading, I'm In with a subtitle of Women Redefining Leadership. A key part of the book looks at some of the elements of leading. And over the next few weeks, I thought I'd talk to a number of women about some of those elements. I can hear you thinking, Would you, what, what's she talking about elements? Well, let's think of it. There are elements of leading or of, of how you are leading that you need to jettison right from the beginning. Things like the sense that you're not enough. Then there are some elements, I think, that need reframing. Uh, An example would be the imposter syndrome. Reframing it, not as a weakness, but as a strength and a source of your humility. Then there are elements that you have to find and notably find your purpose in leading Why are you leading at all? And then I think there are elements that you have to learn to combine. Even You have to combine them even when they appear to be almost polar opposites. Like um, when you're leading, you have to be both quiet and loud. When you're leading, you have to be inclusive. But at the same time, you have to set boundaries. How do you combine things that appear to be Um, well, polar opposites. So let's start with jettisoning. What are the things we jettison, we dump, we abandon? On my list, I had that sense that you're never enough. On my list, I had a sense that um, good leading is about ignoring yourself. And also, actually, I don't think I suffer from this though you might tell me I do, but I don't think I suffer from this, but I've seen it happen so often. One of the things we have to jettison is the temptation to divide women by age and for young not to work with older leaders and for older leaders not to work with young leaders. Now, I thought it'd be really interesting to talk to Elle about this because she has spent years bringing generations together so that they connect, as she says, eye to eye. There's a German word that describes this, and I I find it absolutely fascinating. So over to you, Elle. Elle, you introduced me to a German word that, if I'm right, you said it's, it's when people connect eye to eye. What was the word? Augenhöhe means to... Augenhöhe. 
Right. Augenhöhe. Augen is the German word for eyes and Höhe for height. So it needs to meet each other at eye level. Yeah, to see eye to eye. And that means to kind of connect uh, as two human beings and to take each other's position equally legitimate. So there's no power difference when you meet eye to eye. Augenhöhe. It's a fantastic word, isn't it? And and I remember you describing it as a word that says that people dare to learn from each other. Yeah, if there is no power distance, if you see the human in the other, then you can have a conversation where you learn from each other in the true sense of the word of conversation, because conversation comes from conversare, to turn with. It's a beautiful word, but it's a particularly beautiful word for me because you so seldom see it in the context of generations working together. It, and so much of your work is, is about getting generations, no doubt generations of women working together. How? Sorry, so why do you think it's so important that generations do work together? Because it's how we pass on knowledge and how we tap, adapt. So in, again, in a German context, we've always had the master and apprentice kind of relationship where you pass on knowledge and skills. But then there's also the other knowledge about how to live life. Yeah. And I remember when my grandpa, when Austria changed from the shilling currency, from the shilling to the euro, I was like, oh my God, this is a world moving event. And then I talked to my grandpa about it and it was, I think his fourth or fifth currency change. And he was much cooler about it and really helped me to, to understand what's important in the change and what's not, what's just being made up. On the other hand, the world is moving so fast and it is evolving so fast and companies and organizations have to adapt to it much more quickly that it has become more relevant that we don't waste time not understanding each other or fuffing around. I suppose young people can adapt sometimes to a rapidly changing world faster than older people. So it and does they, become eye to eye and equals. Absolutely. And they see other things. They, they're the ones that live the future. They help us understand in, for example, let's take technology. What's, what is the signal in the noise? What to take seriously? And, and they live it. So they, they can give us a much, they live their generation can give us a much better understanding of what is really relevant instead of relying on academic articles or researches to that usually lead to preconceptions. There are a lot of preconceptions also around generations. Millennials are like this and boomers are like that. And, and because of this, I think having conversations on Augenhöhe at eye level, seeing eye to eye, is becoming much more relevant. So if we need this eye to eye between generations, do you think it's more difficult for women to do eye to eye between generations? 
I'm not really sure if it's more difficult for a gender. I think there are particular challenges around women because there's the preconception that women and the myth that women don't work together. So if I believe that myth, then as a young woman, I may be holding back yeah, and trying to, to fight the fight on my own. And as a woman of the boomer generation, I may not want to be patronizing or, you know, I may also believe that it's a fight that I fought on my own and it needs to be that way. So I think it may not be harder, but there are particular challenges around it because there are particular myths around women not being a good at working together and networking and understanding each other. Elle, tell us about, give us an example of where you've tried to make the eye-to-eye connecting work. So I was present at, um, at the meeting where, and this is quite cliche, there were four men in gray suits uh, it was an engineering company um, that had invited their fairly newly hired. So she was six months in the company social media manager. And she was a young woman with extensive experience and, you know, had great results from previous projects in her backpack. Yet she was young, red hair, blue hair tips short kind of Scottish skirt and tattoos and piercings. And when she came in, you could see the man kind of looking at her, kind of wondering what this creature that was so completely different from them was going to have to offer to her, uh, to them. And so, Throughout the conversation, they did listen, but throughout the conversations, the questions were more towards probing her experience, wondering what she at her young age had to say and how she could understand the industry they were in and how much experience she had in in that industry. So kind of probing around how relevant any of what she is saying was to them. And there was a second added um, doubt hanging in the room, what social media did have to do with the chemical industry anyway. So she had a fight to fight or on, on several fronts. And I could see her from being very excited about the opportunity of being able to speak with the senior management to becoming more and more defensive. And the more defensive we are, the less we're able to contribute because we're much more focused on on, on making sure that we're we're coming out fairly, fairly safe, you know, we're surviving this. And at the same time, the man's question kind of, you know, helped to support each other in their prejudice. 
So instead of having a conversation where they were on eye level, so learning from each other and finding ways to collaborate and add to each other's knowledge and experience, that level difference became higher in that conversation. And at the end, everyone, I had the feeling, walked out being convinced that this was a waste of time. Certainly a huge missed opportunity. Absolutely. Okay, let's go through what she could have done different, what her boss could have done different to prepare her better, what they, the four men, could have done different. And no doubt also there was somebody actually chairing this meeting, what the leader of this meeting should have done different. Let's start with her. What could she have done different? I think one of the most important ways is establishing credibility. So telling your story by establishing credibility. What do I have to contribute and why? But she probably didn't think she had to prove herself, did she? She knew she was good. So why should she have to prove herself? And and that's, I think, the case. You know, she was invited to speak. So they must have had a reason to invite me. And so if they've had a reason to invite me, they want to know something from me. Why should I tell a story? Why should I have to prove my credibility? Yet we always, when, when, we, when we make any presentations, establishing why people need to listen to us is crucial. And I have a fantastic example from the same company, a woman from the board that came in in a different reunion. It was a panel discussion. And she came in and introduced herself and then said why she was so happy to be here because this was exactly what she was so passionate about and came up with stories from her past successes to prove her passion and at the same time her credibility. So after just three minutes, everyone was attentively listening going, oh, I'm interested in what she has to say. So I think yeah. it would helped her to have a story or just an introduction that right away gives the others the possibility to understand where her knowledge, powers and skills are and what she has to contribute. Yeah? And it allows you to also feel more secure because you remind yourself by telling your story, hey, I'm not that bad. You know, I do have something to say and I have some cool things. I have done some cool things in the past. So it's sort of a double whammy. That's really, that's really, okay. So, so that's a, anything else she should have done different? Well, I think it would have been useful for her boss to help her find Patronus, her Patronus. Now, what does, that mean? Only, what does that mean? I know only people who've read Harry Potter know what a Patronus is. A Patronus is the fantastic spell that's very unique to every person that 
it establishes a sort of, you know, shield and an and animal, an alter ego that protects you from the tormentors. And the tormentors are those who suck your energy. Yeah. And in the wizard world can kill you. For anyone who's really a Harry Potter fan, forgive me for my very brute um, description and explanation. But basically what she needs is a protection from patronizing from patronizing questions. So what are comebacks? What are my ways that suit me, that work, that are authentic, that work for me on coming back and holding up a mirror to patronizing questions or patronizing statements? So an example could be, you know, um, well, you don't have any experience in the chemical industry. And a comeback could be something like, well, what kind of experience do you need? Because I have a lot of experience in social media or in running certain campaigns or in establishing an image on social media. And I'm hoping that your experience in the, petroch in the chemical industry will help me. Yeah. So, so her boss. So let me get clear. So you're saying that her boss should have sat her down and said, "Let's rehearse the responses. If you get a sort of patronising response, absolutely. It, it, but, but doesn't that mean that the boss is already anticipating that this is not going to be an eye-to-eye -eye connection? Well, any difficult and important conversation needs to be rehearsed so i'm you know any ceo will get media briefing for difficult town halls will rehearse it so why should only bosses rehearse important conversations isn't it much more important that we rehearse important conversations and anticipate challenges or challenging questions with younger generations who haven't had the experience. And who have effect. to bring, and who have to find ways to bring themselves to the responses and not just adopt other people's responses. Exactly. It's a bit, it's a bit of a coaching, you know, because the Patronus is a very unique thing to every wizard. wizard. So it's not finding that best answer is what could you come find? What would suit you? What would be your way of doing it? You know, I tend, I tend to come back with funny or kind of ironic responses, but that's my way of doing it. Yeah, I have um, a fantastic woman that is comes back with extremely positive ways of she always puts a positive spin on it but so in such a way that people who have been patronizing her realize it and it's a skill you know others come back with data i mean it's it's your unique way it's your unique way of of protecting you against patronizing of of standing straight and of standing straight up. Standing yeah. straight. Explain that. Well, often when we get patronized, we 
we kind of, you know, don't do anything with that energy. We either kind of sink back or we, you know, become smaller or we start avoiding the situations. And this is like, no, here I am, you know, in my relaxed straight position like a yoga position before i start going in at my center and that my having my patronus helps me kind of stand straight at my center and kind of say bring it on if you must it's interesting my mind is going back to all the times i failed to do that or i've let people wind me up because they were patronizing me or I've let them sort of draw me into the the sort of um, spider's web, and I start out sort of defending impossible positions <laughs> because I haven't prepared. Yeah, it, it's the only reason I came up with the Patronus is because I have so many times thought of a fantastic comeback. Two hours later, two, two days hours. later, because it's been, in the yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been working, and I just like I can't let that sit. You know, it's awful. So <laughs> I was like, what could I say next time? You know, make it into my patronage or kind of work with with friends. You know, it's a, it's a good good conversation also to have with with friends and colleagues. You know and do some brainstorming around it. So, so that's, that's her, let's, let's go to them. What could they have done differently? Uh, I think also mentally prepare in the way that when we walk into a room, we often have a single label when we see a person or we are confronted with a role, a specific role, you know, we expect um, people to be a certain way. And that's one single, single label. And so it's the effort to go beyond that and to actually listen for more labels or more complexity. So the older we get, you know, the, the better we are at categorizing at finding that single label that helps us navigate the world because quite often we're right. Yeah. And the more experience we have, the better we are at fine tuning our labeling system. And it's very time efficient. It helps us save time. We've become good at it, but it's not always useful. And it's particularly not useful where we're not very experienced. Yeah. We don't have a lot of exposure. So unless I have a lot of exposure to a wide and huge variety of young people, so that I need to be particularly attentive not to use a single label and go beyond it and ask myself, what, what is that woman beyond her piercing? What is that woman beyond her age? What is the, that woman beyond her social media role? And what can she offer? Yeah. And the more I go beyond age, dress, um, style, the more I will find things that I can connect with. Yeah. And the more I can go to different categories, I can go to passion, I can go uh, to um, 
what what is important to her is is it the goal and so i can find other things that we share so for them i think that's one of the best ways to kind of come to an eye level where you can see eye to eye of course there are four of them too isn't there so there's a sort of group dynamic here isn't there that the people begin to reinforce each other Exactly. So I need to, I as a singular person participating in that meeting, need to be very careful and very aware of the fact that a shared opinion doesn't become a fact. It's still just an opinion. Yeah. And that I make sure that we move, we find facts and ideas uh, that help me move beyond that singular label and singular opinion. El, we're building up really, aren't we, to who was the leader of this meeting and why did they let it happen or let it go wrong? What should they have been doing? What should have happened or what should happen is clearly state the purpose of the meeting and what each other, what people bring to the meeting. Yeah, clearly prepare um, both sides and create this, this room where eye to eye level can happen. And how? Well, creating and connecting the thoughts, so creating a common goal. What are we here for? Where are the challenges? What are the complementary skills, competences, and knowledges knowledge that that are that is in, that are in the room? Yeah. So, kind of consciously highlighting, we're not the same, and that's why we're here. We think differently and that's why we're here. We have different knowledge and experiences and that's why we are here. And when that leader could hear the patronizing beginning to brew, mm -hmm. what should the leader have done? Kind of stand up. And you like, stand you like this expression, standing up, L. Tell yes. me, in this it's case, stand up. Because it's a movement. Um, by standing up, I'm moving out of my comfort zone. Yeah, I might be sitting down nice and comfy, and when I have to stand up, I'm taking a stand. I have to move. And, and you're visible. Also, you're visible, exactly. And you're not taking it, sitting down. I mean, we have all these beautiful expressions in the English language that stand for that. So you don't need to physically stand up. Sometimes it helps. So when I'm facilitating, when I'm personally facilitating groups of people or panel discussions and I'm actually standing, sometimes by just moving to someone who's talking too much or he's kind of talking himself or herself into a riot, just the physical presence can change and have an impact. Um, so it may be useful to stand up, but it definitely means that you need to also speak up and say something. 
And, and I suppose some, this is another this is another Patronus moment, isn't it? You've got to have your expressions ready yeah. to counterbalance the, the, the prejudice that you're witnessing. And and one thing and that I find useful, because I'm not always very quick at thinking of Patronus of the right spell or the right comeback, um, is for me to repeat what has been said and then to take it apart by saying, you know, um, well, social media is not useful for that. So I'm saying, ah, social media is not useful for that. What is that? What are we trying to achieve? Yeah. Or what is useful? Shall we define useful? So just by going by repeating what has been said and then asking people to define it, we're getting becoming more constructive already. Because A people have to think, and if they've just repeated something they've heard, they kind of have to go, okay, so <laughs> what do I actually mean? And that starts a, a conversation. Huh. And it helps find, again, common ground or being able to disagree or agree on something and we can see how we can work with each other. So actually that expression is, and I, I still can't say it in German, I'm hopeless, aren't I? Um, but the concept of meeting eye to eye and taking responsibility as the leader of that situation to make sure that eye to eye actually happens. And I suppose you're daring young people to learn something from different generations. And you're daring older people to learn something from different generations. And it is quite a dare, isn't it? It is. And it is at the same time very satisfying. It's scary and satisfying at the same time. Yeah, you get real solutions. You get solutions that you would have never thought of, that you may not even be convinced that they work. But when they do, they're way beyond anything you could have dreamed of. Thank you, Elle. The concept of connecting eye to eye is firmly placed into my brain. I remember asking, I remember asking you actually, if the, you'd ever come across another language that had an equivalent word. And, and I don't think you thought there was, but um, certainly if anybody's listening and has, has one to offer, most interested in it. But it's a, it's a really interesting concept. And your practical advice on how to achieve it is extraordinarily useful. Thank you so much, Elle. Next week, we're going to carry on on this jettison theme. What do you have to jettison when you're leading? I'm very much looking forward to it. But in the meantime, I send you all lots and lots of love. There's also loads more you can learn from other women if you go to our website womenemerging.org that's womenemerging.org over time we are determined to redefine leading so that more of us can say 
if that's leading, I'm in. Really